Welcome to the Brainy SLP Podcast. My name is Danielle Kent, and I'm a multi-passionate mom, wife, and SLP entrepreneur, wild about equipping parents and professionals to support problem-solving skills from a neurodiversity and inclusion-focused perspective. I am incredibly wild about teaching everyone who listens to really teach, coach, and model self-regulation or executive functioning skills for all learners. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Brainy SLP podcast. It is so good to be back. I think when you listen to this, it's going to be early September, that first week of September, and the vibes are back to school. Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds of COVID and schooling in this episode. Um, That brings a whole host of challenges and stressors. And I do want to just acknowledge that those stressors and challenges are very real. And I will not focus a whole lot on them in this episode. This episode is really about connecting self-regulation and executive functioning to the start of the school year. And starting from the start of the school year to look for stressors in your child's or your student's performance. So to just get us back into the loop of things, let's talk about the connection between self-regulation and executive functioning or executive function skills. So George McCloskey, who is a prominent researcher in the field of executive functions, describes executive functioning or self-regulation skills as those skills that act in a coordinated way to support us and enable us to have focused, regulated, goal-directed behavior. And if you come to any of my workshops, if you talk to me about executive functioning, the real key part of executive function skills are that we have forward-focused, goal-directed behavior, Uh, meaning I am acting forward. I'm thinking forward about what I need to do and what I have to do. And really in all facets of executive functioning, this is really, really important because while we might reflect on the past, we plan for the future, right? We, we reflect on the past, we learn from the past, but we are our future forward beings. Um, and there's a whole separate host of, of study in the field on, you know, being human, we are human doings right now instead of human beings because we're constantly doing. And so there's a lot of, of research and support around mindfulness and being present in this moment. So if you're more curious about that, just go Google that or I'll try and find some things to put in the show notes because in these incredibly stressful times, really practicing mindfulness and being in this moment instead of past or forward can be helpful. (laughs) But for the sake of thinking about your child or your student, I want you thinking about how executive functions or self-regulation skills, I use those two terms interchangeably, how those skills are the skills that allow us and support us to act in a forward-focused, goal-directed way. So George McCloskey also has this kind of continuum of executive function skills And he describes them as being all the way from self-activation, which is kind of what wakes us up in the morning, all the way to trans self-generation, which is essentially finding our purpose in this world. But those skill sets that are the most frequently talked about or the skill sets that we really think about every day or in the day-to-day are those self-regulation skills. And that's why when I talk about executive functioning skills with parents, I use the term self-regulation or executive functioning skills. So 
thinking about using those terms interchangeably. And if you listen to a previous episode where I really encourage you to shift away from just thinking about executive function skills as those skills that are really related to emotional regulation. And instead of thinking about those skills that support us to act in a focused goal directed way. So, 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 so beginning with that framework in mind, I want to shift a little bit to thinking about the start of the school year and starting to identify stressors. So Dr. Stuart Schenker has a book called Self-Reg. And in that book, he talks a lot about redefining misbehaviors into stress behaviors. And this is incredibly important for me because while I feel that our society has a huge push on misbehaviors, um, both in school, also at home, that any behavior, that most behaviors are misbehaviors. Um, and they kind of get lobbed into this category of willful, malicious, attention-seeking behaviors. Um, asterisks, I just started reframing attention-seeking to attachment-seeking, and that in and of itself <laughs> might support um, kind of a reframe of, of thoughts. But what we essentially want to reframe is that when a child has a behavior, we want to try and think about reframing our perspective from it being a misbehavior to a stress behavior. And remember in previous episodes, I've talked about stress has gotten such a bad rep, <laughs> such a bad rep. But stress is really when the demand exceeds our capacity. And it's how we learn. It's how we change. A little bit of stress is good. If we have too low of stress or we're too low arousal, then we're, we're, we're what we call hypo aroused. We're not really interactive or engaged. And you might've felt that in a meeting or in a classroom when you really felt like you maybe had already heard it before, or it wasn't really relevant for you. And you might've tried to use some strategies to engage yourself in the material because you found yourself in that hypo aroused state. And it was hard to get yourself into that, what we call optimal level of regulation. So that's, that's one important thing to think, to start thinking about is, um, a little bit of stress is not bad. It's when we have too much stress, too much stress where our capacity cannot catch up to meet the demand. That's when we typically get into that hyper aroused state or we've exceeded our stress threshold. So most behaviors that are noted are typically, uh, hyper aroused behaviors, meaning really external noticeable behaviors, throwing, hitting, punching, kicking. But there's also hypo arousal behaviors or withdrawn behaviors that are also important to know, and they can be a result of stress as well. So as you start the school year, some of the most common areas that you'll notice some stress behaviors starting to happen are in the morning routine, getting ready in the morning, keeping track of things at school, and transitioning back to home and that nighttime routine. There are plenty of other areas too here. So don't get me wrong. Those are just the three that start to really stand out. And those are the three that I'm going to focus on in this episode. So the getting ready for school routine in the morning. There's a couple different things that can be really, really challenging for kids in the morning. Number one, you typically have a time constraint of some sort. And a lot of our kids who might have differently developing executive function skills might not have the capacity yet to be aware of how to modulate their energy within a specific time sequence. 
So in the morning routine, if time is a stressor, kids might be really appearing to be dawdling. They might be appearing to be distracted. They might be appearing to be moving slowly. <laughs> I'm not, not the keyword here. I'm saying appearing to be. Um, they might be appearing to be getting easily engaged or disengaged into a separate task. And these are our kids who are just struggling with orienting to how to operate within a certain time structure. So one of the most important points when we experience a stress behavior, when we observe a stress behavior, is to support our kids to come to awareness if they notice there's a stress behavior happening, if they notice that there's something happening. Because what's happening sometimes for our kids is because they aren't yet aware of the time constraint or they aren't aware of the stress it can place on others, they actually don't understand why the adults around them are so frustrated or angst-ridden. Um, and that can be kind of another stressor for them because then not only do they not have the capacity to meet the situation, then they don't have the capacity to understand why the adults around them are, are frustrated. So this might look like, uh, and I'll give an example because my daughter struggles with this. You know, hey, Maddie, I noticed that in the mornings, um, I noticed that if I'm not right with you, I might come back to find you and it's almost school time and you're not ready yet. Tell me what's happening. And this really goes back to the coast method that I talked about in a previous episode where I approach the situation regulated. That's C, I, I am regulated first. And then I'm just observing and acknowledging and then asking what her experience is. And the thing she told me was, well, I wanna play, which is totally justifiable. Of course she does, she's a kid. I want her to have time to play. And so we got to the T, which is the teach of coast. And I was able to support that we have a certain amount of time to get ready in the morning. And if she is late, then that might make me late and then her late. And so there's additional stress there for both of us. Whereas if she gets completely ready in a certain amount of time, she has plenty of time to play and then plenty of time to transition to the car and to get to school. And working through that process, now granted, we did a couple of extra strategies in there. We used some of the get ready, do done principles from Sarah Ward and Kristen Jacobson, which really helped for visual supports. We did some video previewing, that really helped. That really supported the morning routine. So we went from having a really clear stress behavior that resulted in a lot of communication breakdowns between us to a really awesome morning routine. Now, one of the most important things when I think about um, morning routines and, and even developing skills on strategies is that there's there's very rarely a 100% success rate because let's be honest, even as adults, we also mess up sometimes, right? Let's be real with each other. I've forgotten my coffee at home or my computer at home. It just happens. What I try and do is if we have a slip up somewhere, if I have a slip up, I'll try and you know, make it known. Tell her, tell my daughter, tell my son out loud what happened and what I think I learned from it. Uh, I noticed I didn't put my laptop bag by the door. The lack of that visual cue made it harder for me to remember it. Bam, right? We set ourselves up for success. And when we don't, sometimes it's harder to remember. I also call to when something happens, if we aren't able to follow the plan, things are running behind, I stay curious and invoke dialogue about what could have happened. What do you think happened this morning? And how do you think we can learn for the future? I always try and think about putting the responsibility back 
on the student or the child in whatever way is developmentally appropriate so that they are the ones solving the problem and thinking it through. So that's the morning routine stressors that you might see. The next stressor that sometimes pop up is keeping track of your things during the day. This is a big one. So this is the one where kind of develop that nonverbal working memory comes into play with executive functioning. Because in order to keep track of our things, we have to be able to think about in the next place we go to, what's that going to look like? And do I have everything I need? And so again, I'm pulling from Sarah Ward and Kristen Jacobson here, but they talk about this concept of stop, space, time, objects, people. And it's being able to picture the future in those four components and thinking about, do I have everything I need? And so sometimes what I've done in the past is I've created a picture sequence that can be clipped onto a backpack of real pictures and kind of like a, a checklist of, do I have the things I need? For example, if I'm going from a school to an after-school program or after-school to home, I try and make it an appropriate visual, meaning it's something that fits into the child's daily life and isn't something that's, that sticks out too much, but sticks out just enough so it's noticeable. The last area of the day that can be really a real key area for stressors is the transition to home. And this is where talking with your kids or your students is really, really important. A lot of our kids are working really, really, really hard to hold it together during the school day or to keep themselves engaged during the school day. Their transition to home, especially in these first couple weeks as they're adjusting, means they might release or kind of let go or blow off steam or whatever it might look like. Trying to keep open dialogue with your kids or your students about how to support them to kind of essentially level off and relax for a little bit to come back to a place where they're able to participate at home in the tasks they need to is really important. Think about a hard day at work. When you come home, sometimes the only thing you want to do is just sit down for just five minutes. And those of us who are parents listening have a good little chuckle because when you have kids who are younger, that season of life, it looks a little bit differently. But honoring that experience of sometimes just needing to come home and just do whatever it means for you to relax, to regulate, and to come back to a place where you can do what you need to do. Your optimal zone of regulation really is that place where you are able to again, have forward-focused, goal-directed behavior. When you're outside of that zone for any number of reasons, fatigue, overwhelm, the best thing that somebody else can do for you is to support you to come back to that place of regulation. This is the heart of co-regulation. Remember, co-regulation is not just for kids. It's also for us as adults. We co-regulate with each other all the time. When we call each other about our hard days, when we listen to each other, share experiences about what we're going through, and the best thing we can do is to empathize and support. In the end, it really is up to us to develop those regulation skills of self. But in order to do that, we have to be able to feel like we have successfully co-regulated with another person. We have to know what that feels like to have someone support us. Because then we begin to know what that feels like. I am sending you all of the good vibes as we enter into this next school year. I can't wait to talk to you in two weeks for episode 18. Have an amazing day. Hey. 
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of the Brainy SLP Podcast, where we celebrate neurodiversity and bring awareness to the fact that all brains are awesome. I hope you loved today's episode. If you would like to leave any feedback, please feel free to find me on Instagram at Miss Danielle Kent or send me an email, Danielle at DanielleKent.com. I hope you have an amazing day. And as always, please take the best care of you.